Welcome to Eat This Scroll, University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and we get together about twice a week to chew on God's word and share that with you to encourage and edify and challenge and um, maybe a slight bit of entertainment. Yeah, we're here to tickle the ears. Tickle the ears, <laughs> give you what you want to hear. Uh, this week we have Sean Duncan with us. Hello, Sean. What's up, man? I'm back again. You're back. I'm, You're... Br- I'm braving the cold in mid-August. <laughs> I know it's like an Icelandic fjord near. Yeah. Shout out to Elliot and uh, Hilder. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So you're hot off the press. We we just finished up a class last week that was yeah. great. Yeah, in real time, um, we're less than a week, so five days out from the roaming through Romans class, which was a bunch of fun for those seventy plus who attended. Uh, you all are are more nerdy than you know. Yeah. Yeah. So good yeah. on you. And you, you don't have any idea how many places you advanced in the line to get into heaven <laughs> just by attending. So Yeah, the jewels on my crown. <laughs> well, uh, Sean, we've been in 2 Timothy yep. um, for yeah, a handful of episodes, mm-hmm. and they've all been super good. So I'm yeah. excited to dive into this one. Yeah, we're continuing through it. So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, last time I was in, we were talking about uh, the mission and the mindset of of a Christian. The the mission being to um, be discipled, to make disciples who make disciples. Mm-hmm. There's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, but then the mindset you need, like you need to you need to think as if you're a farmer and, and like a soldier and like an Olympic athlete type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that right mindset uh, makes the the task at hand of making disciples, being faithful in, in the the daily rhythms of life, uh, much more attainable. Um, and now, so he's just coming right off of that. Like that's what he had just gotten done talking about. And we're going to look at verses eight through 13. Uh, how about you read them? You have okay. an ESV in front of you? I have an ASB. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's not the these and thous. Okay. <laughs> we'll let Chris read it anyways. And <laughs> Good luck, happens. you guys. Um, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffered hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we have died with him, we we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Nice. Good reading. How was that? It was pretty similar. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, there was just a few things, and people won't even catch it when I'm talking, talking <laughs> about it. Uh, okay, so, uh, again, just like looking for um, commands in the text. Uh, mm-hmm. Imperatives are really helpful, both as a preacher, but then just like a student of the Bible. What's, what's Paul telling Timothy to do, if anything? So that's usually a good place to start. Or what is the truth statement, which then um, things flow out of that truth. Um, so right away, it's really easy to see what the what the command is. It was the first three words. Yeah. Remember. Mm-hmm. So uh, as a preacher, because this is also what I'm going through with, with the college students right now in the summer. That's why it's on my mind a lot. It's like, okay, well, the application of my sermon should be remember Jesus Christ. And usually I feel like we want we want to go do something. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like our human instinct and also our American inclination is we want to get our hands dirty. Give me something to do. That's what applic- real application is. But an application can also be like remember or 
um, notice something that you've already seen before. And that's like a super valid application because that's the application of, of this text right here. But he's saying, remember Jesus Christ. So he had just got done talking about go make disciples and here's the mindset you need. So remember Jesus Christ. Like that's, that's actually the way that you're going to be able to do those things is by remembering who he is and what he has done. Um, and he starts off with two statements about who he is. Um, he says, risen from the dead and the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Yours didn't say offspring, it said mm-hmm. descendant, but it's the same idea. Um, so when, when saying risen from the dead, well, if he rose from the dead, he had to have died, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, this, is, this has a lot of like theological implications. So this really shorthand phrase, risen from the dead, is like, hey, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Well, he died to to conquer sin, mm-hmm. and and he died, His death was uh, a, like a door and a path of suffering, but then he was vindicated on the other side. So, in the same way as someone who needs to have the mindset of a of a farmer, of a of a soldier, of an athlete, you need to be willing to endure suffering. But like the motivation for that isn't going to be like, hey, find the strength within yourself. It's hey, remember what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Who he really did suffer, and he suffered to cover your sin. So sin has been defeated and your justification has been secured in his resurrection. Um, then he says, the second statement, the offspring of David. So this links two realities together. Um, offspring of David, one, he's human. Mm-hmm. Jesus isn't just God. He's also human. So you have this hypostatic nature of Jesus. The hypostatic union is that Jesus is fully and truly God and he's fully and truly man in a way that they they don't mix, they don't become confused his natures don't become confused yet they're both fully present um so even though he's one person he is um both god and man and you see that in the offspring of david but also there was all these promises to david called the davidic covenant and for all the bible project people who have been taking the class Mm -hmm. they should know second samuel chapter (laughs) seven first chronicles chapter 17 those are the chapters where you can read about the davidic covenant, Hmm. which is a promise that God makes to David. So um, God made all these promises to David that um, one of David's offspring was going to build a house for God. And that's a a play on words because it could mean a temple or it could mean a, what do you think? Dwelling place. Maybe a dwelling place. Mm. What else do you call uh, a house? Maybe this is my house or this is my household. Family. Family. Oh, yeah, so it's a little play on words okay. there. Um, so, you know, the first son of David, who's the next king, is Solomon, and Solomon builds the temple. And he even said, like, he quotes the Davidic covenant. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and here I am <laughs> Bu- oh, building oh, no. a house for God. And you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, at first yeah. you're like, it kind of seems like that. But then Solomon's not the guy. So then you keep going and and Jesus is the son of David who really does build a house for God. And it's again, a play on words because um, the family of God are those who have placed their faith in the gospel and have been um, redeemed from sin and death uh, and are saved through Christ on the cross. And this family of God, which is Christians, the, the, the global church is also called the temple <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're living stones. So, so now it's like the, the metaphor is going the opposite way where uh, it's just cool. It's cool downwards. But yeah. Um, so not only was the promise to David that one of his offspring would build a house for God, but that he would sit on the throne forever. So that means if, if the throne exists forever, 
the kingdom exists forever. So yeah. we're expecting an offspring of David who's going to have an eternal kingdom and rule forever. Mm-hmm. And that this kingdom is described with words like righteousness and justice and peace. That's who Jesus is. He is king. Mm-hmm. So these two statements, um, risen from the dead, well, the, the theological implications of that is that he's the savior. He died to cover your sin. But offspring of David, he is Lord. Mm-hmm. He is in charge of everything. He is enthroned. So remember Jesus, the Messiah. He's the Savior and he is the Lord. Like remember him. Um, as preached in, in my gospel, this, that's what the good news is, is this message of Jesus. And Paul says, that's why I'm suffering. Like, I'm down to suffer. And we've talked about that before. I'm willing to suffer. I'm bound with chains right now as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Like mm-hmm. nothing can stop the word of God from going forth. Nothing can stop the gospel from being proclaimed. He says, uh, therefore, verse 10, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, this is some, uh, this is interesting for both those Calvinists who are listening and the Arminianists who are listening. And if those words mean nothing, don't worry about it. <laughs> so he mentions the word elect, mm-hmm. the elect. But then he said, also says that he he's doing all this so that people can obtain salvation. Mm-hmm. So there's a tension right now. So the doctrine of election is that God sovereignly chooses who he wants to save. That apart from his choosing, people are not saved. Mm-hmm. So God chooses people. The question is, how does he determine who does he choose? Does he do it? based off his free good pleasure uh, apart from anything that they have or would do? Or does he choose based off of a foreknowledge of what someone might do? Either way, the thing that comes first is election and all of the elect will be saved. However, the only way the elect will be saved is if they hear the gospel and respond to it. Mm -hmm. That's right here in this text. So um, sometimes election is pitted against this idea of like free will mm-hmm. where some people will, will will characterize it as, Oh, well, some people just say that it's all about election and it really doesn't matter what we do. While the other people say, you know what? We really have to go out there and we need to preach the gospel because anyone can decide and God doesn't elect people. And both of those things just fly in the face of scripture, mm-hmm. such as verses like this. Yeah. Paul knows that God has elected people to salvation and that God's salvation rate is 100% of his elect. Not a single one will be lost. However, the only way anyone is ever saved is if they hear the gospel. So this is actually, the doctrine of election for Paul is his motivation for evangelism. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that like fuels him up and is like, okay, I know that God has chosen people, which means there really are people who really will respond. Yeah. And they need to hear the gospel if they're ever going to respond to it. So I need to start telling people. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I think the doctrine of election should do the same for us. If it's doing something different than that, we're not actually understanding the doctrine of election or the providence of God. Sure. If God has determined the end, the the election, the salvation of someone, he's also determined the means by which that's going to be accomplished. You are those means and you could potentially deny being the means because he says um, that they also may obtain salvation. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say I'm suffering so that they will. He's like, it's like in hopes of it, mm-hmm. it's a hopeful statement for Paul. It, it's like, he's not cut in stone for him. So as far as the experience, it's like only if you share the gospel, are people going to be saved? God's completely in control, mm-hmm. but you really do need to be sharing the gospel. And I love the piece that you touched on how that can be 
such an encouragement for people who have been really anxious about anxiety mm-hmm. or in that like stodgy, mm-hmm. like whatever happens is supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, because it means that every single person that God's spirit is working on and calling will respond. Mm-hmm. And everyone who doesn't, hopefully you put a stone in their shoe, mm-hmm. a little pebble. Yeah. And at the very least you say, it's all up to the Lord anyways. I'm yeah. just doing my job. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, both the doctrine of God's sovereignty and of election in the last like 200 years of church history in America, from what I can tell, has led to a, um, I don't know, like a hesitancy with people being like, ah, oh, like, why do anything if God is in control of all things right. or why do I even need to share the gospel? But I just think it's a, it's a total misunderstanding of these doctrines. It's, it's a small view of God because every time Paul talks about predestination or election or the sovereignty of God, it's always followed either by him talking about that being why he's sharing the gospel mm-hmm. or by him praying. And sometimes people are like, Oh, sovereignty of God. Why pray at all? Yeah. So I think like Paul fatalism. Paul probably understood these doctrines better than uh, 21st century Americans, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> Odds are. And every time he talks about it, he either goes into a prayer mm-hmm. or he talks about evangelism. Yeah. So those should be the two results for us too, is that it actually stirs up our prayer life and stirs up our evangelism. But he keeps going. Um, so this is like motivating his, uh, his evangelism. And then in verse 11, he says, the saying is trustworthy or... Literally, the word is trustworthy, a singular word. So this is just a little statement. That's mm-hmm. what yours says, I think, a statement. And then it would seem like he quotes from an early Christian hymn. So remember, the command, the imperative, remember Jesus Christ. That's mm-hmm. what he wants Timothy to remember, which it means that's what he wants us to remember. So the way, the way he helps Timothy remember who Jesus is is by quoting a hymn. I wonder if songs are important for Christians. Yeah. Um, here, this is what I did with the college students. It's called finish that song. Okay. You're, you're going to play it. Audience participation as well. Okay. Um, the itsy bitsy spider crawled up the water spout. Down came the rain and wash the spider out. Nailed it. Incredible. Nailed it. Now you've maybe <laughs> sung that more recently, but with the college students, they hadn't sung that since they were maybe five years old. Yeah. And they all got it. Yeah. Songs in grain truth they ingrain words into our heart and mm-hmm. our soul so why not sing of truth about god and who jesus is songs are the means that um god has given his people to to anchor um realities about himself into their hearts and, and in the larger context um paul's suffering he's encouraging timothy to endure suffering uh, he's telling him to remember jesus who suffered they're going through suffering mm-hmm. and the Christian, it would seem from this text, they, they, they sing their way through suffering. They sing yeah. their way to glory. Um, Jesus sang and he really liked songs. Uh, his favorite book of the Bible to quote from was. Oh right? gosh. I don't what know do this think? one. Psalms. The Psalms. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. And the Psalms are a bunch of songs. Right. Right. When people would ask Jesus a question like, who are you? Or how are you doing this? Or, or what's going on with this thing? He would usually quote a psalm to, to explain who he was to someone. Hmm. Like he would quote from Psalm 8 or he would quote from Psalm 110 uh, to give people clarity about who he was. So the way Jesus understood himself was through songs. And That's the way he, he told others who he was was through 
songs. Mm -hmm. And even the night before his betrayal, we're told that he is singing hymns. Mm. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong, but I bet one of the things that helped Jesus get through the night of his betrayal was the songs that he was singing that night, mm. knowing who he was and what he had to endure for the sake of, of salvation for the elect. He knew he had to suffer and, mm. and then enter into glory. And he knew that because of the songs that he would sing. Yeah. And then even now Jesus is singing uh, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter two. Uh, it says that he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That's why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is about Jesus. He sets us apart. He's not ashamed to call us brothers. And then it says something about what Jesus is saying. And it's uh, uh, Jesus like lifting us up in the gathering of God's people. And he's quoting, it's a quote from a Psalm, hmm. but it's about Jesus's activity right now as a high priest, hmm. that he is actually, um, uh, for lack of a better term, he is exalting his people, his brothers and sisters in the assembly of God's people right now. He and then Zephaniah, Zephaniah, oh, Zachariah, Zephaniah, <laughs> Zephaniah. I think uh, I should probably just look this up. Zephaniah chapter three, Zephaniah chapter three. This is about God as well. Verse seventeen says, "The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He rejoices over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Hmm. Like God sings over His people." Jesus is singing right now and, and Jesus mediates all of our song to him. Okay, Sean, so where are you going with all this? <laughs> As Christians, I think because of this text in 2 Timothy and because of the rest of the Bible, um, we sing our way from suffering to glory. Um, Jesus did it uh, the night of his betrayal to the crucifixion and then his resurrection. And we do it as well. And, and it's not just that we sing anything. It's like, oh, the Backstreet Boys, you know, some bangers. We we sing um we sing theologically rich songs. Mm-hmm. We 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 ingrain our theology, the truth of God's word into song. The early church did it. That's Paul's way of reminding uh Timothy to remember Jesus. Like, hey, don't forget Jesus. He will um keep you if you keep hold of him, but if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Mm-hmm. Um but those are the songs, melodies stick in your heart. And the words attached to those melodies will then ring out in your mind in in your moments of darkness. Um, every night, uh, every night when I put when Chelsea and I put Noah down for bed, uh, since she's been born, we always hum the same song. Sometimes mm-hmm. I sing it, but it's that song we do on Sundays. His mercy is more. Mm-hmm. What love could remember? No wrongs we have done. Omniscient, mm-hmm. all knowing, He counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So when I hum that to my daughter, I am reminded like all my failures that day, Jesus' mercy is more for me. Yeah. covers all of it. And it's just a simple song and it is filled with rich truth. So, um, Maybe a bigger application is like sing songs with good theology. Yeah. Uh, don't sing songs with bad theology. That's why I really appreciate um, Lou and the rest of the worship team to be be strategic about the songs that are picked. We don't. Um, we try not to do songs that would um, lead to wrong thinking about who God is or misunderstanding about who God is. Yeah. Because um, those those songs of rich theology 
in the, your moment of suffering, it's that melody that that's going to be faintly echoing your in your heart and pull those truths to mind. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say to to all Christians, sing, sing about your Savior, because when you do, uh, you are teaching yourself about who Jesus is, and you're re- helping yourself remember who Jesus is. Yeah, we're forgetful people. So sing of your Savior. And there's a lot in that text that we didn't cover, but I mean, I think that's that's the the beautiful truth. Since day one, Christians have been have been um, encoding their theology into song, and we should too. Yeah, yeah. Don't underestimate it. Yeah, it's it's easy to stand there silently and yeah. stare up at the wall and yeah, yeah. Seriously, um, it, it if nothing else, just sing on Sundays for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one thing to hear music, but when you start trying to sing it, that's how, it actually helps you. Me- memorize words better is when you're trying to sing along mm-hmm. um so just participate if nothing else do it for you yeah um and because jesus is worthy of your worship so right. time to swallow the pride and i know your singing voice isn't that great but yeah yeah um, god doesn't accept your worship because your singing voice is good or bad he accepts your worship because jesus has already died for your sin and made it acceptable so boy isn't that good news yeah so let's sing Awesome, Sean. What a great reminder on the importance of simple things that are easy to overlook and um, maybe even things we might regard as childish or silly. I sing songs to my daughters when they go to bed as well. So um, thank you for that reminder. And yeah, wherever you guys are at home or uh, in your car, spend some time singing. Yeah. Sing in the shower. Sing wherever you sing. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Till next time, Sean. Sounds great. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. Disciples.